It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, the Dodgers signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year contract. We're going to talk about the what that means for the rest of the offseason as far as the pitching staff goes. We're going to talk about the fact that Syndergaard apparently took less money and less years to come to the Dodgers. And we're going to talk about Chris Taylor and what the Dodgers need from him in 2023. That's what's on tap, so let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching, I am Jeff Snyder. That guy next to me is Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room, so we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And today, that perspective is going to be a lot about Noah Syndergaard because the Dodgers signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year deal. This is one of those things that would have been much bigger news, you know, five or six years ago, but uh, it's still pretty big news if for no other reason than uh, it appears that both Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zaidi watch our show, Vince, and uh, Friedman likes you and Zaidi likes me because uh, the Giants signed two of the guys I said the Dodgers should sign, and now the Dodgers went out and got one of the guys you said they should sign. Yeah, they got um for a slight, or at least what's been reported, a slightly different role than I had advocated for, but nonetheless, I'll take it because he could transition into that role. It doesn't quite work out. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not the – this. Well, three years ago when I first tweeted, bring me Thor, I thought I don't know if he was on the trade market or whatever it was. Uh, and that was back when he still threw, you know, near near 100 miles an hour. Uh, the the Syndergaard we saw last year was closer to 94, 95. Uh, but he did ramp it up a little bit there towards the end of the postseason with the Phillies. And he will be one more year removed from Tommy John surgery. So you could see that factor into him being a little bit better this year. You could see, you know, the Mark Pryor slash Dodgers effect factoring in, which we'll get into also. But 
in the end, it's a guy who was relatively healthy last year and is going to go out there and throw for you every fifth day or so for the time being and is a, you know, perfect kind of candidate for if he works like the, his ceiling is very high and his floor is basically what the Dodgers could ask for at this point, because if it doesn't work out, you know, he either moves to a bullpen role or he doesn't make it the rest of the, the whole year with the team. Uh, but then by that time, the younger guys should be up and ready to go. And hopefully that they work out if he doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, he could be one of those stop gaps. It's not even intended to last the whole season. You know, if, if they get a full season from him, great. But uh, if not, yeah, they, they've got guys who are ready to jump in and maybe just not ready on opening day. For me, one of the big factors is, like you said, he's another year removed from Tommy John surgery. Like, I'm really curious to see what the combination of that, you know, extra time since Tommy John and getting with the Dodgers development system, what that does for his velocity, you know, I, cause if he could get back up to where his velocity was, I mean, he could be, uh, there's upside potential here of him being the best fifth starter in baseball, if they can fix a few things. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk in our second second segment today about how he seems to believe that the Dodgers can help him get better. Uh, he is betting on himself here. Uh, but before we jump into that, I want to talk about what this means for the Dodgers. You know, because you know when we did our thing the other day, Vince talking about free agents, we wanted them to sign. We listed you know a thousand starting pitchers. Uh, you know, we we listed Carlos Rodon, we listed Ross Stripling, we listed uh, Syndergaard, Johnny Cueto. There might have been another starting pitcher in there even. Uh, and realistically, there obviously there wasn't room for all those guys. With the signing of Cindergard, though, the Dodgers now have essentially a full rotation. You've got Julio and Kershaw, you got Gonsolin and May, and you've got Cindergard, and then you've still got the five other guys. You've got Pepio and Jackson and Grove and Miller and Stone. Uh, I mean, do you think this means that they're out on Carlos Rodon? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. I still Andrew Friedman's not going to turn down a guy like Carlos Rodon if his let's just say Carlos Rodon's market doesn't materialize to what he thinks, and he's sitting there available on four or five year deal for you know around twenty five plus mil. I think that he'd still be in on that, but I do think this puts them out of you know heavily pursuing him if they were even heavily pursuing him. A lot of the beat writers that were reporting this deal. Uh, and and reporters made it seem like this was the last move for the Dodgers. Like, oh, starting pitcher, check the box. He's out now. Now they're on to an outfielder or another bat off the bench, whatever the case is. So I do think that they are comfortable with the rotation they currently have, but I do still think they'll take advantage of a market if it goes their way or if, you know, in some other conversation, maybe they're having conversations about other position players or other players, Maybe a starting pitcher gets thrown in there as well. And that's very possible because what they still, you know, what still they don't have is, you know, for sure guaranteed beyond this year. Kershaw at this point, we know is year to year. Syndergaard's only one year. Julio is a free agent after this year. You know, Walker Buehler will come back, but coming back off his second Tommy John surgery. So there's still a little bit of unknown there. And then you got Gonsolin and May, who would be the only ones right now in the rotation that would be back next year. And then you're hoping that, you know, Pepio Stone, Miller, whoever, some of those guys work out. So I do think they'd still be in the market, but it just lowers, I guess, the need for that market a little bit. Just, you know, they'll jump on any opportunity. Yeah, and I I think 
you know, I, I was thinking about that this uh, this evening, and not that signing Syndergaard puts them out of the market for Rodon, but I, it, to me, I think it's maybe an indicator that they don't think they're really in the market for Rodon. Uh, and like, like you said, obviously, if the market changes, that's something. It's hard to see that happening in this uh, current off season, where if anything, players are getting more money and more years than we expected them to. It's hard to really see the the top pitcher available having his market fall to where the Dodgers will be comfortable. Uh, I, I wonder also about Seth Lugo. You know, Seth Lugo is a guy who he's been most mostly a reliever in his time with the Mets, but not exclusively a reliever. And there have been rumblings that uh, the Dodgers might be interested in Lugo as a potential starter uh, with kind of a fallback of relief. He's been good in relief at times. The, the last few years, he hasn't been as good. Uh, but he he's got potential to be decent there. Uh, do you think uh, that Lugo is still a possibility? Or do you think it was Lugo or Syndergaard? I think one or the other. I think they're both similar in what they would profile as, where Syndergaard was a starter all of last year till the end, uh, but wasn't a guy that was going six innings every time out. He was more of a five innings, two times through a lineup type of guy. Whereas Lugo would be trying to get to that point where he's going two times through a lineup or five innings type of guy. So I feel like they're the same. And then, you know, realistically, depending what, on what they want, but, but what they have right now with Andre Jackson and Michael Grove and Pepio, like those guys would be able to start the day on the opening day roster because we've seen them pitch in the major leagues and they've been effective enough to be a swing man spot starter type guy where they could have that role from the get-go and you wouldn't have to go out and get a guy like Seth Lugo. I don't know if he really raises the profile enough for you to, to take away from one of those three guys from having a role on the opening day roster. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, one, one benefit of getting Lugo would be that uh, I'm friendly with his agent. So maybe we could get him on the podcast, but uh, you know, they probably Dodgers probably aren't considering that too much when they're figuring out who to sign, uh, but you never know. Um, I mean, they might, three of our 10 guys have already been signed in two days. Yeah, well, if you knew the agent, then maybe they would because Friedman likes you. This just true. means that, uh, you know, Zaidi's going to sign Lugo and ask me to tell Ben, put Ben in contact with Lugo's agent so he can get him on the show. <laughs> um, that's uh, We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about the fact that Syndergaard apparently took fewer years and less money to come to the Dodgers to bet on himself. So that's coming up. Thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. And please keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. So you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that, do, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan, a, plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive, drive sober or get pulled over. All right, we are back. We want to thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, we would love if you would uh, shoot some comments in the YouTube comment section 
And uh, if you're listening on the podcast, hit us up on social media or email, whatever, give you all the contact info at the end. And when you're done with this episode for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Vince. So Syndergaard came to the Dodgers on a one-year, $13 million deal. Uh, potential incentives could get could get him up to $14.5 million, I think. Uh, and there were reports, John Heyman and Fabian Ardaya both reported that uh, that Syndergaard took fewer years and less money to come to the Dodgers. My my guess would be that it was more total money, but mo- not necessarily more money per year, uh, but more guaranteed money. Uh, probably He probably had a two-year offer out there somewhere in the low 20s would be my guess. Uh, but he chose to come to the Dodgers to kind of bet on himself. And, you know, seeing the success that Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney had last year, both of them went from one-year deals worth, you know, for about $8 million bucks and turn them into multi-year deals uh, for a lot more than that uh, from the Angels and the Rangers, respectively. Uh, the Dodgers have e- even other guys who are still with the Dodgers, you know, Evan Phillips and Yancey Almonte in, in the bullpen, uh, Alex Vesey even. The, the Dodgers have had a lot of success with turning pitchers into more than what they maybe should have been. Uh, and even a guy like... Tony Gonsolin was what, a ninth round draft pick, I think. And uh, he was a Cy Young contender last year until he got hurt. Uh, Gavin Stone, one of their top pitching prospects, he was picked in the fifth round, which isn't normally where you get a stud pitcher, but they, they've they figured something out with him. And it's, you know, those are kind of different systems because, you know, Gavin Stone hasn't worked much with Mark Pryor yet. You know, it's the Dodgers player development system. But one thing the Dodgers do is they integrate that whole thing pretty well. And so it is really an organizational approach to things. And so whatever it is, Syndergaard thought highly enough of what the Dodgers do with pitchers to say, I want a one-year deal with the Dodgers so that I can make big money next year. And uh, I feel like that says something pretty important about the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's not just – us Dodger fans noticing it it's other players noticing it I mean we've seen you know a few guys come over now and and kind of reinvent themselves we saw Yancey Almonte come over reinvent himself become pretty dominant reliever Nevin Phillips even coming from a team like the Rays he still came over here and was better than what he had been you know Tyler Anderson for sure and with Syndergaard you know I'm not smart enough to kind of look at his numbers and see what you know the the words they like to use from the Dodgers is which levers to pull but it does seem like the other part of it is that he is learning to become more of a pitcher because he doesn't have that velocity he's always been a guy that can throw you know his average fastball was almost 98 miles an hour earlier in his career and he was throwing his fastball for a great majority of the time and you know he could get away with it Last year, he couldn't get away with it because his fastball was, you know, a little bit lower, 94, 95 miles an hour. And he had to learn how to pitch a little bit more. He did develop a sinker. Uh, that's kind of become his bread and butter pitch. He dropped the fastball usage, dropped the changeup usage. Uh, curveball usage was around the same. The interesting thing that you did see is from the numbers is that, you know, his fastball did get beat up. He had a set players 
had a 605 slugging percentage against his fastball last year. He didn't throw it that many times, but still he threw it 14, almost 15% of the time and uh, didn't do very well. His curveball, though, he only threw 11% of the time and it had a pretty solid whiff percentage and put away percentage. So he was able to get swings and misses on the curveball. He didn't use it as often. You don't know, you know, is that something that they want to up the usage of or is that just a matter of he didn't use it very often, which is why it was very successful. There's a lot of different things to look at and see what it is. But I think Another year removed from the surgery, yes, that might help with velocity. Another year learning of him having to learn how to pitch a little bit more. Not that he didn't know how to pitch before, but learning how to pitch a little bit more, that's going to help out. And then having the Dodgers and their wealth of knowledge and, and numbers and stats and everything else and you know the way they attack hitters is going to help out. And if you combine all of that, he already had a decent year last year. Not, you know, not great, but a good number four three on a bad team, two on a really bad team starter. And if he's going to be the number five starter for the Dodgers, the expectations are already low. So I don't know. I've always liked Syndergaard, so I'm going to be biased already. But I feel like there's a lot of factors that go into it, with one of those big factors being the Dodgers are good at this. And if he can notice it, uh, that means he's going to be willing to go in and learn and do whatever they want him to do. And uh, that should benefit him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I saw a stat on Twitter that, Syndergaard is one of just a handful of guys. There was like 10 or 15 guys on this list who uh, have above average command of five different pitches. And so with Syndergaard, you know, obviously, hopefully the Dodgers can help him get another tick or two back on his, his fastball. But even if they can't, you know, uh, Tyler Anderson, his success didn't have anything to do with a fastball. It had to do with revamping his changeup and, throwing it in the right situations and uh you know andrew heaney it, it was a revamped slider and a pitch usage thing uh yancy almonte was, was kind of the same thing they they revamped a pitch and changed his his usage patterns and so with Syndergaard, he's already got the pitches and you know they they can if they can kind of tweak and improve the individual pitches a little bit and focus on the usage you know, it, it, it's telling that, you know, we, we mentioned Yancey Almonte a couple of times. The reason he signed with the Dodgers is because Jake McGee told him, hey, the Dodgers revived my career. You should go there. They were buddies from when they were on the Rockies together. And McGee thought so highly of what the Dodgers had done for him that he told Almonte to go there, too. And so, yeah, word gets around and it's uh, it's kind of a, a double edged sword because you're going to have guys like Anderson and Heaney who come in and say, okay, I fix me. And then I'm going to go get money from somebody else. And, and obviously if somebody got fixed enough in the right circumstances, the Dodgers might be the team to pay them, but also it's like, well, why would you spend too much money on a pitcher when you know that you can kind of take anybody and turn them into a good pitcher? And obviously it's not that simple. They can't just take, you know, they couldn't turn me into a major league pitcher at this point. Uh, and you know, probably not even you, even though you're a lot younger than me. But uh, you know, the, but but guys they could would, improve us. Yeah, they could make me better than I am, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, but but the point is that you know, guys who are currently major league pitchers, probably ninety percent of them could be better major league pitchers on the Dodgers. It seems like you know, and, and some guys are. They've figured out they don't need any help or whatever. Uh, but uh, a guy like Syndergaard is like a perfect test case for this, this Dodgers pitching factory that they've created of a guy who used to have great stuff 
still has, uh, you know, he's still young. He's only 30 years old, really has a lot of potential to get back to what he was. And, uh, you know, when, when we talked the other day, you you were the one that brought up Syndergaard. And at the time I was like, yeah, I guess. But after we were done recording, I was like, I I like that idea more and more the more I think about it. And obviously we talked about a different role for him. But even in a starter, you know, he, if they can get and him. And the price. The price yeah. was that's that's Perfect. the thing that I was most surprised at. Like when when uh, it's kind of funny. The way I get news these days is I, I'm trying not to be on Twitter as often, but my son has push notifications from uh, MLB, and so uh, Correa and Syndergaard both I found out about because my son got a push notification on his phone, and so he he said to me this afternoon, he's like, "Dodger signed Syndergaard," and uh, and we didn't get the terms immediately, and it was a little bit before we found out the terms. Uh, but I was thinking 16 or 17 million probably. Uh, and so to see one year, 13 million, it was surprising in a really good way. And, and it kind of does show that Syndergaard, you know, the Dodgers seemed to know that Syndergaard wanted to be a Dodger and they said, all right, well, uh, bet on yourself at our price. Yeah. Mike Clevenger got 12 million. He was not as good as Syndergaard was last year. And, and Syndergaard wasn't even that great. So, yeah, uh, the price kind of makes it all worth it. And like I said, I think you can get away with it. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, you cut ties or cut your losses or try to transition them to a different role. If it does work out, then you get a bargain, and that works out. Didn't Sean I get two years and $25 million? Yeah, he did. And he sucked. Like, yeah, like, yeah it's, uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, I, I like this deal. Uh, obviously, we'll probably talk more – uh, in the coming weeks about Syndergaard and definitely as we get into spring training and see, you know, what he has going for him. Uh, it, it's exciting for sure. And uh, like I said, not quite as exciting as it would have been five or six years ago, but still it's a big name, uh, a big uh, former superstar and uh, big personality. And so it should be fun. So we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about Chris Taylor. Speaking of big personalities, uh, he's kind of the opposite of that, but we're going to talk about what, uh, the Dodgers need to get from Chris Taylor next year, what they're counting on from him. So thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we are back. We want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. It really does mean a lot to us. We love talking Dodgers with you, and we hope you love listening to us talk Dodgers. We appreciate all the feedback that we get from you guys, and we hope you'll keep that up. Our last second today, we want to talk about Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris Taylor, obviously, in 2022 had a terrible season, his worst year since coming to the Dodgers 
uh, and not just, you know, it wasn't just bad by Chris Taylor standards. It was bad by every standard. And uh, he had some injury issues that probably contributed to it. Um, but, but also just never seemed quite right. And Vince, he had uh, some interesting things to say the other day. I think you have, you have the quotes, right? Yeah. He talked about a few things on AM 570. One of the things I guess we can start here is about him playing shortstop. He's asked about, you know, the center field shortstop, both positions of need right now. And he said, quote, I would love to play short and center. I haven't even had that conversation or thought about it at this point. We're still early in the off season. A lot can happen. Shortstop always has been my favorite position, so that would be exciting if I got to play some shortstop. And we've talked about, you know, Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux, but, you know, Chris Taylor can play shortstop. I, I did see, might have been Bill Plunkus, one of the beat writers uh, on Twitter was somebody replied to, well, if Chris Taylor can play shortstop, he should play shortstop type of thing. And uh, he said, well, Chris Taylor's value comes from playing multiple positions and, you know, that kind of thing. And then that person said, well, shortstop's one of the more valuable positions, so he could just play there. But, you know, yeah, being a shortstop sometimes is beneficial, but him being an everyday shortstop, you know, doesn't get him. He's not going to be a top, you know, probably 10, maybe 15 shortstop, depending on how he does. He's an everyday shortstop, but he is, you know, an all-star candidate or a previous all-star and, you know, gold glove utility player award nominee or whatever the case is. If he is playing multiple positions, that's where it's at. But, you know, realistically the way things are going, we're going to see Chris Taylor a little bit more shortstop probably than we had in years past. Yeah. And you know, the, the last several years, the basically the whole time Chris Taylor's been on the Dodgers, they've had a big name starting shortstop. And so, yeah, Taylor would get an occasional start at short when somebody was, you know, needed a day off. But even then most of Taylor's time with the Dodgers, they had Kike Hernandez who was a better defensive shortstop than, than Taylor and, you know, so, so there was that option. And, and so, yeah, he's gotten some time, but uh, assuming the Dodgers don't sign Dan V Swanson, whoever they have playing shortstop is probably going to get some days off uh, and, you know, need some days off or just, you know, let's get Chris Taylor in there just to mix things up. And so, uh, yeah, he'll probably get to play some shortstop. Uh, I, I mostly agree. Like, I don't know. I went back and forth. They saw that same exchange. You saw. I think it was Juan Toribio actually uh, who had that exchange on Twitter. Um, and, and I kind of went back and forth on that because yeah, shortstop is the most important position, the most valuable position, uh, shortstop in center field, but uh, well, catcher is the most valuable, but Chris Taylor won't be playing catcher. You heard it here first. Uh, but, but it's uh, like you said, he's not going to be a gold glove shortstop. And so making him your shortstop it doesn't make a ton of sense when he does have so much value to play so many positions uh and even you know he he said that that it's his favorite position he said that also on a like an instagram question and answer thing that he and his wife did a week or two ago said shortstop's his favorite both times though he also quickly followed it up with but i'm happy to play wherever the dodgers need me you know he's definitely a team player and not a rock the boat kind of guy yeah the other part and this kind of goes with the greater conversation of, you know, the Dodgers and the way this offseason has gone. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, improving on the margins and, and giving yourself, you know, benefits and, you know, built in little things here and there throughout the season that can help you win an NL West or, or, or you know, be the best team in baseball, whatever the case is. And 
with that comes you've always had a lot of talent and a lot of known talent. Whereas this year you don't have as much known talent at the moment. You know, Miguel Vargas, we don't know if it's James Outman in center. We don't know. You know, even Trace Thompson is not a known commodity at this point. He had a good year last year for the Dodgers for the most part, but he was, you know, hadn't really been in the majors before that. So what you're giving yourself is, is you need guys to work out and be those known talents. Chris Taylor, Max Muncy being kind of the key two guys from last year. Max Muncy picked it up and he kind of saved his season a little bit. Chris Taylor never got it going. And he said about that, he said, quotas, it's tough year for me individually, the injuries, it's nothing new, something I've dealt with every year, part of playing the game. But for me, it was more that my swing never really felt right all season. My mechanics were kind of out of whack and I was constantly searching to try to find it. If you talk to any baseball player, they know it's not a good feeling. It was a grind of a year for me. And I mean, yeah, you could tell that his swing wasn't quite there. He's already been working with the guys uh, at Dodger Stadium and working on his swing, and we'll see if that comes to fruition. But it just brings up a big point that for the Do- – you know, we keep talking about the Dodgers being a 95-win team still and, and still being, you know, one of the favorites for the NL West. All that is contingent on Chris Taylor being good again, and hopefully that, you know, it was just a mechanics thing, and he figures it out, and he goes back to being – he's still going to strike out a lot, but he at least when he wasn't striking out, he was being productive. Last year, wasn't really being productive and striking out a lot. Yeah, and last year – striking out a lot is an understatement. You know, he, he's always been a guy who strikes out a lot, but his strikeout percentages since he came to the Dodgers, well, since he became Chris Taylor, you know, starting in 2017, strikeout percentages, 25%, 29.5%, 27.8%, 25.7, 28.7, and then last year, 35.2. Like, it was extreme even by Chris Taylor standards. And uh, you mentioned he's been working at Dodger Stadium. He's also been working at Driveline. I don't know if you saw that. Mookie Betts posted a video on Instagram last week that Mookie went to Driveline. And in that video, there's a clip of him giving Chris Taylor a hug at the Driveline facility. So uh, we haven't heard really any details on what's going on there. But the fact that Mookie and Taylor are both there at Driveline trying to get better, it's super encouraging. And, And like you said, if the Dodgers get a full productive season from Muncie, and Taylor, it's like two offseason acquisitions. And uh, and even James Outman or whoever plays center field, it's, uh, you know, and obviously Chris Taylor would be some in center field, but uh, replacing Bellinger, I the Dodgers won in 111 games last year, and their offense very easily could be better in 2023 because they lost Trey Turner, which is a big loss for sure. But Trey Turner also overall had his worst year in a while offensively. And, uh, you know, with what Miguel, Miguel Vargas potentially could do, full seasons of effective, you know, Max Muncy and Chris Taylor. If Outman is just even league average, that's a step up from what they got from Bellinger last year. Uh, there's a lot of potential for them to be really, really good offensively. And, yeah, there are unknowns, like you said. And, and I don't think anybody would – wisely put money on Miguel Vargas batting 320 but you know what the way Miguel Vargas hit in the minor leagues Miguel Vargas could be a very very good major league hitter as soon as 2023 and that's not crazy it's not something you'd bet on but it's not out of the realm of possibility James Outman could be an above average hitter uh, I don't think he's going to be an all-star I think he could be above average and uh, there, there's a lot of potential there and that it, in a way, it's almost more exciting. Like when we talked about this a day or two ago, I think that 
when the Dodgers put together a super team and they just kind of cruised their way to 111 wins, it was it was a fun season. And if they had won the World Series, I wouldn't have any sadness about, well, there wasn't enough drama in that season. Uh, but there, a little drama is kind of fun, you know? And uh, I, I think going into the season with the Padres and Giants both really, really going for it and the Dodgers having some question marks, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's like... 2018, if like this year ends up being like 2018, it would be fun. But in 2018, we had high expectations coming off of the World Series appearance and, you know, having the team that they had. Whereas this year, you know, I was talking to some friends yesterday and they're like, oh, it feels like, you know, unless they do something huge from now, between now and, and, you know, the start of the season, it feels like, all right, we can go into the season, you know, still high expectations, not as high as normal. You can kind of, you know, just get a, enjoy the game, watch it for some vibes. You don't know that they're always going to win every day. You don't know exactly, you know, what's going to happen really other than a few guys, you know, Mookie, Freddie, you know, those guys are going to be good. Will Smith, but for other than that, and yeah, it could go bad and that would be, you know, horrible, but it also could go good and the guys could show out and, you know, you end up developing new talent and new stars, you know, just a few years ago, no one had heard of Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger. And now, you know, Miguel Vargas can be that next guy, or maybe Gavin Lux steps up and becomes that guy, or, you know, Michael Bush or someone else, James Altman, somebody steps up and becomes that guy. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those where now before I was like, all right, whatever. And then the good part too, is the Dodgers have now outspent the A's that they were getting outspent by the A's, but now with the cinder guard deal, they've uh, they're back on top. So we're, we're looking good now. Congratulations, Dodgers. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few comments in our YouTube section the last couple of days about frustration with the Dodgers, basically that they're not even trying. And, it, you know, they, there are some people who really believe the Dodgers are going to finish in third place in the National League West. I really don't think that's the most likely outcome. I think the Dodgers are still the best team in the division and the gap has closed some, uh, but it's not, uh, ha hasn't closed that much yet. And, and it, it'll be fun that it's closed. And, I think the young guys that the Dodgers are hoping to get something from, it's not like it. they're calling up uh, – what was that guy's name? Who, he ended up going in to the Red Sox in that trade. Jerry Sands, you know. We're not talking Jerry Sands here. We're talking Miguel Vargas. There's This is a legitimate top prospect. You know, James Outman has turned himself into a legitimate prospect. Uh, you know, the, the two pitchers, Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone, those guys – have potential to be very, very good major league pitchers. Like people are talking a one or two, uh, a number one or number two starter for both of those guys in the major leagues. Like that's the potential here. It's not going to happen in 2023 that probably they're not going to reach their potential immediately, but there's a lot of potential there. And that's how you build a team that has sustained winning is by letting these young guys come up. And if anything, we're seeing kind of the delayed reaction because they haven't the last couple of years really they, they've filled their spots with veterans. And, you know, when, when they brought up, you know, they had Puig in 2013 and then they had Jock in 20 or uh, Jock in 2014. And Jock no, Jock in 2015, Seager in 2016. Yeah. Uh, but 2016 is when he won rookie of the year. And then Bellinger in 2017 and then Bueller in 2018, you know, they kind of staggered these things and, what we're getting because they kind of went for it the last couple of years is we're going to get several at once, but the end result is going to be the same that we're going to have some good young players to sustain this so that they can keep putting us out a team every single year that has a chance to win the division and maybe do even more. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say in terms of the division, you know, the Dodgers might not be the best team one through five, maybe not even one through 10, but one through 26, they're still the best overall team. Whether that ends up mattering or not, we, you know, we're going to find out, but they still have, you know, the deepest team with it's not, but it's not as top heavy as before. And then one last thing real quick, uh, the Dodgers did make a trade on Wednesday. They traded for JP Fireisen uh, in exchange for minor league pitcher Jeff Belge or Belge. Uh, Fire Eisen's not going to pitch next year, but he was a really good reliever for the Rays last year. So 2024, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and he's got three more years of team control after 2023. And so he's uh, very much an Evan Phillips kind of guy. Got him from the Rays and uh, see if they can take his stuff and make him even better. So uh, he hasn't allowed a run in over a year. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, I think it's going to, yeah, tomorrow's episode, we're not sure what the plan is. We will either... One of us will be solo or more more likely we'll be doing a split episode uh, because uh, our schedules aren't going to line up. But we will be here for you because tomorrow's a weekday and that's what we do is we show up on weekday mornings for you. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And now for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. If you're not watching or listening to Dodgers, uh, to Locked On Dodgers every day, please add one or two days a month to your rotation. We love talking with you, and we love uh, knowing that you're listening. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.